0: Heroes are an inspiring group of people, every one of them from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital, the war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom, the police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling, but there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored, the entrepreneur, the creator, the producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what, I can fix that, I can help people, and I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world, others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence, so you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello, and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is
1: Richard Matthews. I am on the line with Gene Ginsberg. Gene, are you there?
2: Yes. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to be here.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Glad to have you here. Let me introduce you for the folks who've never heard of you before. So Gene is a number one bestselling author, award-winning entrepreneur, and digital marketing expert with more than 12 years of industry experience helping companies scale revenue optimize sales and marketing processes improve productivity you're the ceo and founder of gene ginsburg.com or ginsburg i'm sorry and uh which is a digital marketing education company and ginball digital marketing a digital marketing agency um and you, you've got clients everywhere from fortune 500 companies to startups um and you've been featured on inc forbes and huffington post and got a list of awards that is a mile long um <laughs> and so why don't you tell me to, today what you're known for? What is it that people come to you for? Why do they hire you? What is the, uh, um, what's the what's the, the typical thing that you help businesses do?
2: Absolutely, so yes, yeah, so I've been doing this for 12 years and I would say now typically entrepreneur, I usually work with entrepreneurs, small to medium sized businesses and they usually come to me with, with help on, how do I grow my business using digital and social strategies? I would say that's where I'm mostly known for. Um, uh, we do work quite a bit with um, info product creators or a digital course creators or entrepreneurs who want to create or have a digital course um, or, or, or want to basically productize their knowledge in something that is beyond just like, having clients or trading time for dollars or something like that. So um, we've worked with a lot of those kinds of entrepreneurs and helped them grow and scale their, their, whatever that is, the info product, the, you know, that, that piece, the digital course that they're looking to productize their knowledge from.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's actually what I spend most of my time doing is the uh, helping, helping my clients productize their knowledge. I call it a uh, instructional design, help them do their instructional design and in the uh, marketing and sales and stuff. So we're in a similar space there. Yeah. So, uh, why don't you uh, don 't you let me know I want to talk uh, about your origin story right so we talk on the show every hero's got their origin story and it 's where you started to realize that you were different that maybe you had superpowers and maybe you could use them to help people. How did that happen for you? How did you get started on this entrepreneurial journey and get to the point where you're you're building a business that 's uh recognized as you know you know what are the, what are some of these awards that I had pulled up you know woman to watch in july two thousand and eighteen and Top twenty-five ad agencies in Denver and a a bunch of other awards.
2: Yeah, so I think I'll probably start with back, back, back in the day. Um, So my story starts with um, I'm actually from the former Soviet Union. I was born in um, in Russia, and um, as you know, probably most people know when it it, Soviet Union, very non-entrepreneurial. Absolutely, absolutely no entrepreneurship there whatsoever. So. Grew up in, you know, communist era and um, my family and I, we immigrated to the United States when I was eight years old. So came here and I think just because I didn't grow up with entrepreneurship at all. I think that was just kind of always in the back of my mind. So I've, um, I I went to college, you know, got some jobs um, and went up through the ranks, but just always in the back of my mind, I was kind of thinking, Hey, you know, I think there's, um, I've always you know wanted to start my own thing. Like, I think there's a better way. I think I can do better with clients if I were to just start something on my own. So that was, I think, always kind of swimming in the back of my mind. Um, and um, over time, um, the jobs that I had, you know, uh, I, like I said, I've been doing this for 12 years in digital marketing and social media. So I'm everything, you know, that I've had in terms of uh, positions that I've held have been all in the digital marketing space. So, so I think that was how I started off in terms of my area of expertise. Um and so 6 years ago, almost actually 7 years ago now, um I decided, you know, I think that I'm going to take the plunge, like it's time for me to start something on my own. Um I I just working for the company that I was with and just in general companies that kind of seem very inefficient, there's a lot of politics, so I decided, you know, I think that I can do much better with clients if I were to just serve them directly. So that's really how I started my business about um almost 7 years ago and so got into, I mean, I was already in digital marketing, so it was pretty easy transition for me to go from, from you know, working at a company to um, starting my own company. And in terms of serving people and the kinds of um, companies or, or entrepreneurs that I worked with, um, I think that came over time. Um, I think primarily I started working with entrepreneurs when I first started my company, and I still do, but we've kind of grown a little bit in the sense that we've taken on some bigger clients of course, and we've taken on some bigger challenges with clients and bigger projects. So over time um, that of course has changed as well and evolved as I know we all evolve every (laughs) Um, all the time as we as we're entrepreneurs and so uh, and then over time it also has evolved in the sense that we try to we help um, entrepreneurs productize their knowledge so in the beginning we've worked with a lot of different companies but now we've niched down just because we've had the experience over time like we kind of know what it's like to create um, a digital course or an info product what it's like to market it what it's like to um, get your audiences you know what how to use social media for all that so we have, um, it's just kind of, uh, I think, become a specialization for us, if you will. So, so let's say, I would say this is my entrepreneurial journey. Uh, does that cover most of it? Yeah,
1: yeah, thats uh, it's really interesting. So just out of curiosity, do you still speak Russian?
2: I do, yeah, fluently. So, so I still speak Russian with my parents.
1: So I, I know two whole phrases in Russian, and I'm going to test them out on you because why not, right? I, I so absolutely. I know I know the word, the, the phrase novoy pakalenya, which I believe means new generation. Is that yes correct? Yes, that's
2: correct. So I yeah. could say
1: that. It's very not useful, but I know how to say that in Russian. I was like, are
2: you, are you going to give me any swear words? Because I don't know if I can.
1: <laughs> and uh, the other one is spokoyne uh, noche, which I believe is good night.
2: Good night. Yes, absolutely. That's it. So that's, yeah. I can, I
1: can uh, tell people good night and I can say new generation in Russian. And that's I, the I... Only, only thing I've got.
2: The The new generation, I know I understand the good night, but the new generation, where did, where did that come from? <laughs> um,
1: it was the name of a uh, summer camp that I worked at in oh, Russia yeah. in high school. Um, okay. So they had uh, in Moscow, um, an organization in my hometown in California, um, put together a summer camp in Moscow for the Russian kids um, that was, um, so in... I guess in the school systems in Russia, they taught English, but most of the teachers were British and most of the kids wanted to learn the American accent. Um, so they would bring kids over, um, like my, you know, I was in high school at the time, they'd bring us over and we would do an English camp with them over the summer and we would do classes and whatnot during the day with the kids um, that, you know, I had a class of uh, two second graders, I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, you know, my my friends had different classes or whatnot Then we had, you know, um, and we spent the day, teaching and then we'd have play fun and games and you know do summer camp stuff in the afternoon but the goal basically was they wanted to just hang out with americans and learn how we spoke so it was kind of a a fun a fun thing we did in uh in high school
2: that's really cool (laughs) yeah i think they probably started doing that after the 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 wall fell right i'm assuming or is that what yeah yeah so that would have
1: been that would have been uh in the early 2000s
2: okay Got it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's probably after the, the wall fall because when I was, you know, when I was there and my when my parents were growing up, yeah, we, there was very much the Iron Curtain, you know, yeah. uh, it was hard to get in and out of Russia. If you were in it, it was hard to get out. If you were not in it, it was hard to get in. So, yeah. you probably started doing that, um, you know, after it was, the
1: wall. It was really interesting being there because it's, uh, you know, America as a country has got like, you know, our oldest buildings are like 200 years old. And like you walk around in the Red Square in Russia, and they're like, "This building's eight hundred years old, and this yeah. building's twelve hundred years old." And you're like, "That building is like five times older than our whole country."
2: <laughs> yeah, that's and, true. I mean, it's like in Europe, all over the place. You know? It's yeah. Like, yeah. Like, oh, this and, building is And and you could like, see,
1: <laughs> you can see the hand of the communist regime all over the uh, the uh, the more modern architecture. Like when we went into the subway, and like the whole thing is designed to make you feel small. Um, and it's just really fascinating how uh, how that happened, and, you know, it's really beautiful architecture, but you can see, like, the, what they were trying to do with it, and, like, you know, even going in the airport and talking to the, uh, what is it, the, the person who takes your passport and stamps it, they're, like, way up there, and you have to, like, hand it up to them, because <laughs> they're looking down on you.
2: Authority, yeah, that's a big thing yeah. in Russia, absolutely. Of yeah. course, I'm sure, in the, in I mean, I, this was when I was growing up, they had the, also the communist block like, architecture, which is, like, just concrete and windows. Yeah. <laughs> sure you probably saw a lot of that when you were there, like the old communist uh, block architecture, you know, they did that all across Eastern Europe and Russia where it was like, just houses for people to live. <laughs> Make it as simple you as ever, possible. Uh, do
1: you ever go back to visit no, or see family I've, or anything? Um,
2: I've actually never gone. I mean, uh, my parents live in, the, in Chicago, so.
1: Okay. Yeah, um, so your family's family, all
2: here? Family. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so my I mean, my grandparents were there when we left. But now they're passed away a while back, I think, actually, yeah, yeah. almost 20. My, but my grandparents passed away like 20 years ago. So it's at this point, there's really not too many people. Yeah, not visit. many connections over there. No, makes sense. Yeah.
1: Cool. So um back to your your business after we detour on Russia a little bit because that's fun well, um,
2: it, it's interesting I'm sure it's pe- yeah, people want to yeah. hear that kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> um
1: is is your your superpowers right it's what you specifically do or build or bring to your business that helps solve problems for people the things that you use to slay this world's villain, so to speak what would you say the superpower is that you bring to your organizations
2: sure I think there's a f- couple of superpowers that I've think over time have kind of gotten to realize and understand, you know, what what am I good at? Because I think as an entrepreneur, you have to realize what you're good at. And then you have to realize what you're not good at so that you can outsource that or give that to a team member or something like that. But I think Mm -hmm. for me, it has been communication has been a big uh, a a superpower of mine. I think I'm very good at um, communicating, breaking things down, making sure that everybody it's on the same page um team members clients whatever it might be so um so that's been a big piece of i think what has helped me grow my business and just be an entrepreneur in general um and then also kind of similar in in that vein is also chunking things down as much as possible in terms of like goals and things like that because a lot of times um i see that when entrepreneurs create goals they're like oh this is so overwhelming this is so big but i think my one of my superpowers has been how do I t- take a goal, whether it's my goal, or a client's goal, or you know, somebody I'm working with, and how do you make it into bite-sized pieces so it doesn't s- seem as overwhelming. So you're just taking one step at a time, you know, kind of baby steps. Yeah, and
1: yeah. eating like, the yeah. elephant, so to speak.
2: Exactly, one bite at a time. So, so that's, I, feel, I would say communication, and um, I don't know, chunking things down, or making, it, so, uh, making goals more manageable would be my superpowers.
1: When you, uh, when you work with clients, do you find that um, communication is something that you have to help them with in their businesses regularly, like like help them establish better communication principles or things like that? Or is it just something that you've noticed has been really helpful in running your organization?
2: Uh, definitely both. Um, a lot of times, I think uh, internally, they might have, I feel like a lot of times they have clients have communication issues internally, and also how they're communicating to their external world. So since my area of expertise is digital marketing and social media so it's also how do you communicate your mm-hmm. uh, your message to the outside world so it could be internal and ex- external so communication of course is a big piece of marketing
1: yeah absolutely so the uh, the other side of your superpower is your fatal flaw right so if you you think you're, uh, your your superpower is the communication and Um, chunking things down for people. The Fatal Flaw, you know, like Superman has his kryptonite or, you know, Batman is not actually a superhero, he just has to work really hard. Has there been something that you've noticed has, you think has held your business back, that if you could have gotten rid of it or worked on it sooner, we would have been, you know, further along than you are now? So, question basically is, what is that? And more importantly, what have you done to, um, to help resolve it for people who might struggle with something similar?
2: Um, I'd say in the beginning, one of my fatal flaws, and I think this is a fatal flaw that's common um, to most entrepreneurs, is trying to do everything yourself. Yeah. And letting go of the control and letting go of the reins. And I think, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying like trying to be like, Oh, let me find the easiest one. But I think it's, it's the the easiest flaw. I mean, but it's also, I think is the one that I had trouble, that I had struggled with when I was um, Mm -hmm. in in my early days of entrepreneurship. And I still struggle with it a little bit, but I think I've gotten much better at um, understanding what I'm good at. Like I said earlier, like what I'm good at, and then what I'm not good at. and, and, finding people on my team who are better at it than me and not thinking that I'm good at everything because I'm not (laughs) and and handing those reins over to them and being like hey just you know you're capable I know that you are so run with it because I I'm I'm just standing in everybody's way here if I were to do this myself so it's better if you were to take it and just move forward with it because you're never gonna and the company's not gonna move forward if I'm standing in the way so I think that's something that I hear all the time. And I think, I mean, that's definitely something that I've struggled with a lot is in the beginning is like how, and of course, in the beginning, you kind of do things yourself, right? Because yeah, you're, you have you're to wear all the hats. Yeah. Like you're, you don't have the budget or the bandwidth. I mean, you, you don't have the bandwidth, but you don't have the budget to really hire people. So for me, it started off small. Like I, I hired a virtual assistant part-time um, to help me with some of the administrative projects and like, kind of day-to-day projects that I needed help with, and then my team grew from there. I um, I hired people who do copywriting for me, who do graphic design, who do video editing. Um, I also now have someone who's kind of what I call my right hand, who who basically project manages everything for the company and for me, and yeah. um, is a, a personal assistant and an administrative assistant. So yeah, it's it's over time. I mean, you start small, and I think a lot, you know, taking that plunge. And for me, it was kind of um, difficult for me as well. In the beginning is like, how do I, how do I take that next step, right? Like, how do I find a virtual assistant? So
1: yeah, I remember like specifically, cause for me that happened just recently, like in the last year where I was by myself and I did everything by myself and had for the last nine years or so. And then I was like, I'm just, I'm holding myself back and I need to take that plunge. And I remember um, one of the things that I was thinking, I was like, in order to hire someone, I have to allocate all this money to hiring that person. Um, and I was like, I could use that money in other ways, right? Like in, in better ways. And, or, you know, so I thought. Um, and, and what I didn't realize was that by hiring someone, the amount of time that you get back and the leverage that you get from having someone do work for you more than makes up for their cost, which is like, it's a weird thing to think about in your head but you're thinking, you know, it, just for easy math, it cost me a thousand dollars a month to hire this person. You know, I could use a thousand dollars to put it into marketing or put it into other things, but that thousand dollars a month gets you 40 hours a week. Right. If, you know, if, if again, I'm just using easy math stuff, but, uh, sure. um, but the 40 hours a week of someone else's time to help you leverage things really, it changes the equation in your business because now I can give someone an hour's worth of instructions and get 10 or 15 hours of work done. Um, And that changes the game completely in terms of how much you can deliver and how quickly you can deliver and the quality of your deliverables for your clients, that it's easy to scale or easier to scale, right. And take on more clients and replace the costs that it takes to hire someone.
2: Absolutely. And I think the other challenge, which came along with this challenge was, um, processes and standard operating procedure, and I think that's another mm-hmm. piece that, well, I, I, I know that I had a challenge like that in the beginning, and I and I started to document everything that I was doing so that I could hand it off to someone, um, yeah. but I think that's another, I think it's kind of like the challenge is, is 2 prong, right, for an entrepreneur is like, I have, to, I have to hire someone, I have to find someone to hire, I have to spend budget and money on person to hire, and I also have to give them instructions and and teach them and train them and create a, pro- a process for what they actually need to do so it's like almost like a double edged sword in a way is you know it's something that you, we all need to overcome as we decide that we're going to we can't just be solo we need to you know in order to scale we also need to scale our team because without scaling our team we can't scale the business i mean that's pretty yeah, much impossible it's, it's... <laughs>
1: It's a really great point, too, about the standing, standard operating procedures, too, because like before you have someone else, you can have all the procedures in your head, and you're fine.
2: Yeah, as soon
1: as you bring someone else in, you have to have like, this is the thing that we're doing, which
2: download, yeah, Yeah, you have
1: to download it. But what it does, it, it makes your operation more efficient, because now you're like, I've got, like, this is exactly what needs to happen. And it forces you to think through your processes, probably better than you'd had before.
2: Absolutely. Um,
1: and, yeah. and it'll immediately rear its head when you have a poor process because someone else will come through and try to do your process and be like, I don't know what to do here. And you're like, Oh, like I had decisions I was making that I didn't even realize I was making. Now you have to process those and get them out there. And you you end up with a lot stronger business, I think.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And when I, when I had real jobs before I started my, what I call my real jobs um, before I started my entrepreneurship, it's like none of the companies I ever worked with actually had a standard operating procedure. And they were all, some of them were big companies. Like some of them <laughs> were like, Hundreds of employees, and I was like, How it's like all of it was rel, was dependent on someone training you. And so, if that person who was supposed to be training you left or went on vacation or went on maternity leave or whatever, um, then and there were, or there was no overlap, you know, between the person who left and the new person, it was like everything was just inside their head, so it was like. Um, things were, I don't know, at least the companies that I worked at were very inefficient. And so I was like, how do I make this efficient where, you know, when I have my own company, again, like making changes for myself, making changes that I thought were inefficient when I worked at other companies Mm -hmm. was like, how do you do that for yourself? And I, and uh, having a center operating procedure has like really allowed me to scale my business because, um, I mean, primarily the thing is, is like, I've been able to hand off most of the client work, most of like the day-to-day stuff to my team. And then I have time to actually think and create and come up with new ideas and new products and work on these things and launch them. So it's like, I actually have the time to, to take the next steps, like to, to take the, I guess the, the risks and, the, and, and move forward with the business. Otherwise I would just be stuck doing client work, which is fine, but it's, like it's, it's, not, it's not a scalable business then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of the things that uh, um, I've run into that I think is really powerful um, is thinking through your processes in terms of doing what only you can do. Right. Um, And the same thing with your, your employees, right. And your staff is, is you want to think through your processes in such a way that it's like that I've got my staff doing work that requires them to do it. Right. And when possible, we automate. Um, things. If, you know, if a robot can do it, great. And then we need a human to do it. And it's like, it's like, how how do you, how do you free up your staff's time? How do you free up your time? So that like each person is, is, you know, when they, everyone's work is leveraged, right? Everyone's doing things that are, are, you know, their highest and best use. Um, And it makes for a much more efficient company.
2: It does. And it's interesting how you talked about a robot, because I think, you know, very, very much near in the future, I think we're going to be having robots do our work versus actually yeah. so having employees. Do there's, work.
1: <laughs> you know, 10 years from now, it's probably going to be one of two things. You're either going to tell robots what to do, or you're going to be told by robots what to do. Um,
2: I, I, and... Yes, that is very true. I, I, I'm ho- i hoping that I'm going to be the one telling robots what to do, but I guess you never know. Um, yeah. I hope, hope the robots are not telling me what to do. But I, I I remember I was on a, I'm part of a mastermind group and, one of the things that um, they talked about, one of the sessions was like, what will happen? Because you know, since we do uh, like my area of expertise, digital marketing, this is a digital marketing mastermind that I'm talking about. And they were talking about like, what would happen in the next like five to 10 years when it comes to all the digital marketing that we do, you know, like right now, it's all very manual, right? Like doing your Facebook ads is manual, Mm -hmm. and writing copy is manual, and putting offers in front of your audiences is very manual. And like, you know, it's it's very much one-sided, right? But in the future, you're thinking that like, all of this is going to be optimized by robots. Your Facebook ads can be optimized by robots. Your your um, copy is going to be written by robots. The offers that you put out there will be personalized to the people who are looking at them. So it's, you know, yeah. based I'm on actually, what you-
1: <laughs> I'm actually working with a client um, that is building um, AI for copywriting and it is ridiculously cool. And I've had a lot of um, my agencies, the sales letters and copy and whatnot put through the robot. So now you can fill out a profile and hit a button and have it generate a sales letter. That's as almost as good as I would have written it by hand. Um, you know, like 95%, 99% of the way there, you might go through and make a couple of adjustments and have it done in two seconds instead of two weeks.
2: Uh, I want, um, I want to know the name of that company so that I can work with them. <laughs>
1: it's a uh, AI. They're currently launching. You're welcome to check them out. They're uh, they're fantastic. Oh,
2: okay. um,
1: fantastic. Uh, Pro.ai. Yeah, copypro.ai wow. and they're, uh, they're currently so looking for investors and partners and whatnot. So definitely if you're in that space, check them out. I, well, really cool Yeah,
2: I, my team does write a lot of copy for my clients and for my business too. So it's, yeah, I mean that's something yeah. that I, it's, it's already starting.
1: <laughs> their, uh, their 2.0 launch is just around the corner. And one of the things that they're adding is they're adding the ability for you to put your copy frameworks. Into the robot so that the robot can generate copy for you from the profiles um, using your your things. But a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff in there from Agora Publishing and from myself and from other big marketers. Um, and so you can use their copy. But you if you have your own copy frameworks that you use on a regular basis, you'll be able to put them in and have it spit out copy. And I was like, oh, this is just like money falling from the sky because you know if if I can take the same thing that takes me two weeks and get it done in an hour, um, now I can do 15 of them, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, it's already happening. I mean, besides copy pro, but I I remember reading an article maybe six months ago or a year ago that said that most now publications like news, like what used to be newspapers, I guess now are called, I don't know, media companies like the New York Times or something like that. They, for their sports section, they actually, most of that is now written by a robot. It's not written by human because it's so like templated, right? Like when you talk about sports, you know, like this this happened and that happened and that was a score so for something like that it's actually already being written by a non-human already
1: being done by robots yeah. yeah and is it like i i use that on a micro level for my business right just as as an example um when this show is done like when we're done recording this episode i hit the stop record button and that stop record button does a bunch of things, right? It's a, it's a trigger. So um, I like to think of automations in terms of triggers and actions. So my, my trigger is that I've stopped the recording and it gets uploaded to Zoom's cloud and the Zoom cloud takes it and sticks my Google drive folder and the Google drive folder is being watched by a Zapier thing that's creating Trello cards and assigning it to staff. And then it moves through a whole process. Um, and that's awesome. like, there's a whole bunch of, yeah, there's a whole bunch of automation on that. And when it comes to like building your procedures, it's like every, like, a good when i first started most of those things were being done by hand by me or by some of my staff and we're just looking through it's like hey where are we doing doing things on a repetitive basis where we, we can have a single trigger that sets everything else off um and you know it allows us to think through our operating procedures in terms of automation first so that when a human being has to come in and do something right like you know someone has to listen to it and come up with the title for the show at this point Robots aren't good enough for that. So that's when you're like, I can bring a staff and you had to listen to it and pull out the good pieces and stuff like that. That's the thing that only a human being can do. So I'm like, I'm always trying to think through my processes in terms of do what only you can do.
2: Right now, only a human being can. Yeah, that. <laughs> so, right now, right it'll now, it'll change.
1: It'll change. So we'll but, see. You know,
2: five years ago, you wouldn't, you weren't even able to make this automation, right? Where like you click stop, and then it goes to a Trello card to a Zapier, and blah blah blah, and yeah. all of these people get added to it automatically. You probably you weren't able to do that five years ago, but now you can. I
1: mean, yeah, it's crazy. Years. We weren't even able to do calls like this five years ago. Like exactly. our world is changing so fast.
2: Yeah, I mean, so so rapidly. Um, so in five years, probably a bot will be naming your stuff and then like doing all the editing and and then posting it to your social media <laughs> without <laughs> without you having to do much of anything, right?
1: Which which really brings up a good point in that you need to, as a business owner, right, as a solopreneur or as a, someone else, you need to be keeping track of what kind of automations are available and how you can use them in your business. Because for a number of reasons, that if your competitors are using them and you're not, they're gonna be more efficient companies. They're gonna be able to spend more money on advertising and customer acquisition than you are because they've got the extra resources and bandwidth to do it. Um, so I think it it behooves every one of us um, as solopreneurs and small entrepreneurs to really learn how to do the standing operating procedures and how to build robots, right? Use the tools that are available to you. Um, because like I said, you're gonna either be the one who's telling the robots what to do we're gonna be told by the robots what to do.
2: All looking forward to that future. But what happens at that point? Like, what do we do with our time when all of the robots are taking over and taking over everything that we do?
1: So your business will be running all on its own, just putting money into your pocket, and then you'll just get to choose what to spend it on.
0: Oh, okay. So <laughs> it's, it's an
1: ideal lifestyle. No, I have no idea. I have no idea what's going to happen. But I imagine just like everything else, we'll, we'll figure out new new ways to grow and imp- improve lives of yeah. people around us. So. My uh, my next question for you actually has to do with your clients, right? So you know, in in terms of uh, of things that you help them with, um, and I like to to talk about your common enemy, right? And this is you know when you bring someone on, and I assume this happens pretty regularly, where you you have mindsets or or roadblocks that are holding your clients back from getting really good results, right? It's something that you constantly have to fight against regularly with your clients, um, things that they're thinking or things that they're doing or things that they should be doing that they're not um, that you, if you could just wave your magic wand and every time you brought on a client that was just taken care of and you knew you could just get them faster results, what would that be for you?
2: What would be their mindset that, that, the, I uh, would the common, them...
1: the common enemy that you're fighting against on a regular basis?
2: You know, what? actually is something that I've been thinking about quite a bit. Um, and uh, thinking about all of my clients that I've had or currently have and, where are the roadblocks and really the thing that I'm that I if I were to distill it down to one thing it would be clients who believe in themselves and clients who don't believe in themselves I know that it sounds Mm -hmm. very easy and very simple but it's actually what I have seen to be the the difference between successful clients and clients who are not successful or just in general successful entrepreneurs and unsuccessful entrepreneurs which I mean some of you know my clients are most mostly all entrepreneurs but it's really believing, like the clients that I see that are successful are really the ones that believe in themselves, believe that in their abilities, believe in their message, believe that they can help um, their community, you know, whoever their community is. And then it's the, it's the clients or the people or the entrepreneurs that I that I, you know, that I interact with who are like, I can see that they don't believe in themselves. I can see that they're not sure, they're not clear on things. They're not clear on their message. They're not clear on what they want to do. They're not clear on, um, you know, can, are they able to do it? Are they able to, you know, to ch- be in a part of a challenge and then, you know, still get up and, and move forward. And that I think is really the mindset that I'm seeing in general, whether it's clients or anybody that I'm interacting with, who, you know, who started their own company um, is really, do they believe in themselves?
1: yeah, yeah, and it's it's such a big big deal too because I've noticed that in my business too the uh, the clients who believe in themselves um, are more ready to take managed risks that have big payoffs than clients who don't, and the ones who are willing to take those risks are generally the ones who also see the rewards from taking those risks. Um, you know, if it come, if, if it's even if it's just as a, a smaller risk is like I'm going to put thousand dollars into ad spend this month, right? They're willing to do that um, and test it out and test their messages because they believe in it. Um, and clients who struggle with that belief are generally they'll the, those struggles generally end up stopping them from shipping, right, from getting their message to the market um you know whether that's ads or getting up on the stage or whatever it is that they're doing it's that belief that stops them from taking that whatever the perceived risk is
2: yeah i think that's really the main key is if i were to distill it all down it would just be that would be it because if if you believe in yourself or if you believe in your message your what you're trying to do that every like you are more confident you are more willing to take risks you're willing to move forward but if you're just like I don't know, I'm not sure that it just it, it transcends across all of the things that you're doing. (laughs) So I'm
1: curious how you deal with that in your business. Do you take the, the route where you actually coach clients until they get to the point where they got the belief to do the right things? Or do you just say, I'm sorry, you're not a fit for my business, you might want to go somewhere else? How do you handle that in your business?
2: Um, I think in the beginning, actually, it was more like trying to coach them, um, and to some, you know, varying degrees of success. But I think lately in the last couple of years that I've had my business, I've turned away clients that I feel like would not be a good, are not in the right right headspace don't have the right mindset like because i don't feel like i am the coach for that really yeah because i you know this is not my area of expertise i can see the successes and i can see the mindset but i don't know if i'm really the person to to (laughs) To help you fix it yeah exactly that is i think a whole other like can of worms that is you know designed for coaches that specifically work on mindsets and i don't you know I, i i'll be honest that i we all have our areas of expertise and that is not mine. Um, so I have turned down a lot of clients in the past, in the last couple of years, since I've kind of grown my business, since I've known what I wanted, what, I, what kind of uh, clients I want to work with. And if they're not, um, if they're not really in the right mindset, then it's I just don't like taking those clients on because it's like, usually it just, it's, it's a mismatch. And so it usually, yeah. and it's, and it's, hard not to, gonna be <laughs> yeah, it's hard to, successful.
1: it's hard to deliver the result you want to deliver.
2: Exactly. Right. And they also typically have very high expectations for what they want because they're like, this is, you know, like, because their mindset is all kind of screwy. So they think that, Oh, I'm going to do Facebook ads and tomorrow I'm going to become a millionaire. So, and it's usually the ones that are, have the right mindset are usually the more patient ones, the more like, Hey, I know this is going to take time. I know that this is going to be a a long road. We're in in this together, but you know, and I know, I know I'm not going to be a millionaire tomorrow, but I will be a millionaire. It's just, it's just going to take some time.
1: Yeah. One of the, uh, the defining characteristics I've got for my client avatar is I've noticed um, and I, I think it has to do with the belief thing, but is, uh, is whether or not they need whatever their online business, if they need their online business to pay the bills, then they struggle with belief. Um, and if they're trying to get their online business as an additional stream of revenue into an existing successful business, then they don't struggle with the belief as much and they're far more ready to do the work that's required.
2: Absolutely. Right, so. same, same thing with the clients that I've interacted, the ones that are, have the right mindset, are successful, typically have a business that they're running that I'm not involved in. And then they are like, I need, this isn't going to be my other revenue stream. I want to get this uh, online business off the ground, uh, you know, and it's going to, it takes time and they know it. And basically their other business venture capitals and like that, this new mm-hmm. online business. And they realize that and they're like, that's totally cool. I get it. It's going to take time, but I'm working towards it. Um, and also they're just like, you know, typically they're high achievers, right? Because like if they already have a business that's successful and they're looking to create a second business that is an online business, then they're, you know, and they have the time to and the resources and the energy and the bandwidth to like put into the second business, then they're typically also high achievers.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's either, it's like either a second business or it's like they're trying to add an online revenue stream to their existing yeah. business. Um, and they realize it's like, you know, starting a new business means that business is probably going to starve for the first six to 12 months, right? Sometimes and,
2: even longer. <laughs>
1: yeah, depending on how long it takes to, you know, develop yeah. your message and develop your products and get all the things together and find the right audience for it. Um, and, you know, there's all the things that go into like actually making it successful, but if you're willing to put in that, that time and that work, then you can recoup those investments and have an yeah. ROI on it, Absolutely. Um, right? And they, they tend to think in terms of ROI instead of in terms of cost.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, those are the exact thoughts that I always have. And I have had in the past couple of years, like having met those kinds of clients and it totally resonates with me as well, because I sounds like you have the exact, exact same experience.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's really interesting. So it's, it's, I'm not sure how that's uh, you know, how we turn that into something, a useful tidbit for our audience, but just to think at, think of in your business in terms of like, how do I, If you do need your business to pay the bills, you need to still be able to take on the mindset of someone who's using, you know, who's, who's willing to take the risks and willing to have the time and the patience go into it. Um, So, you know, there's that because that's what it takes to really make your business successful.
2: Yeah, I think that a lot of times people go into this entrepreneurship thing too quickly and maybe sometimes they need to hold on to their current job and yes, it might suck and I've had to do that as well, but But then at least you have a revenue stream that's paying the bills and then you can test out and fund this new business with you know with your with your regular job and eventually yeah you'll probably quit your job if things are successful but it's like but it takes time and effort and energy and and patience yeah yeah Yeah.
1: i kept my uh my corporate job um for a long time and you know i was when i finally quit i took a major pay cut because i had the corporate job and the business coming in Um, and then it's like you quit the corporate job, and you're like, oh, that's a lot of money to say goodbye to, um, yeah. but you know, same, same equation, you get all your time back, and
2: <laughs> absolutely, but,
1: but um, you
2: have, you know, but you're not worried about paying the bills, you're not worried about, am I, you know, am i going to be able to pay my mortgage next month, or my rent, because it's like, yeah, you have the revenue stream coming in from your regular job, so it just, it's just you know, entrepreneurship is so big lately that it's like, oh, let's everybody, you know, should be an entrepreneur, but we all need to have, you know, calculated risks and think about what, yeah, what is that yeah. going to look it's, like for us and our families.
1: That's an interesting message. And I actually, I actually wonder if it's doing entrepreneurship a disservice to say that everyone should be an entrepreneur and you should do it now. Um, and and I, I get where it's coming from. It's coming from that good place where it's like, everyone could be an entrepreneur if they wanted to be, right? Like you have, what what is it? A uh, that Disney movie, Ratatouille, right? It, you know, it's saying anyone could be a cook. It's not that anyone could be a cook. It's that a, the great cook can come from anywhere, right? It's the same kind of thing. A great entrepreneur can come from anywhere. It doesn't matter what you're doing now. You could you could uh, turn that into a great entrepreneurial business at some point. Um, and, but it doesn't mean everyone should, right? Um, or that you should do it now, right? Sometimes it means you have to, uh, you know, you have to get some product development and get some, you know, test the market and actually find that it's ready to go and and keep the, uh, keep the job going or keep whatever it is you're you're going and i know there's just a certain risk tolerance profile you have to have to be an entrepreneur and willingness to um i say eat dirt Um.
2: yeah absolutely (laughs) i mean it's like unless you have you're funded heavily by some bc or something like that then yeah it's all going to be a lot of testing eating dirt figuring things out um and it's not all glamorous and it's not all fantastic and like what what you know what they show on social media they're like oh i you know i have my lamborghini and i have my jet behind me <laughs> so yeah. it's and, not that. like
1: it's <laughs> it's funny i actually i actually get that a lot because i travel full time with my family we actually we have an rv and we travel the country right we live the uh, what do they call that the the nomad lifestyle that a lot of mm-hmm. entrepreneurs are looking for um people are like oh man you're so lucky that you got there i'm like yeah but it also like it took 15 years of working my ass off to get to the point where i could do that <laughs> right um, so it's, it's it's not like a, a magic you know yeah, it's, it's not a magical a magic
2: thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like oh all of so. a sudden i have i have it all so yeah, I think yeah. that it's entrepreneurship, people who are, you know, I, I think I'm all for entrepreneurship. And I think if you have a great idea, and if you're willing to do the hard work, then ah, absolutely. But think about the risks and think about what it you know, and and ha- I mean, one of the things I always say is like, have at least six months of of, you know, your, your nut, uh, like your minimum nut. um, Make sure that you have that, you know, whatever it is, your mortgage, your rent, your food, your clothes, whatever you need, you know, whatever is your monthly nut, make sure you have six months of that if you, when you start being an entrepreneur, because you want to make sure that you're, you have enough to get you through the tough times until you're seeing your business grow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what's really interesting too, is I think a lot of people, they look at businesses that are doing really well. And they're like, I could get a business to that point in a year, right? And and you could, and it happens sometimes. You have people who rocket to success, but the reality is, is most of your entrepreneur stories, especially the successful businesses, are five and ten and fifteen years in the making. Um, and you know everything from developing and collecting skills to getting the marketplace to you know lining things up. And there's it's uh, we we vastly overestimate what we can accomplish in a year, and vastly underestimate how powerful your business can be if you have consistent small successes every day for ten years.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I actually it's funny you say ten years because I was actually just talking to one of my clients who is uh, sh- you know she's an expert in in this in her field. She's an attorney, and we started working together about a year and a half ago when she wanted to productize her knowledge, and we were just you know, and she's like. I feel like we're moving things along and things are getting bigger and I'm getting more well known. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, she's been doing this for a couple of years now, but then we were like, how long does it usually take, you know, to get to the like, maximum level or like level where like kind of more mainstream as you call it. And we were thinking, we're like all of the people, you know, all of the gurus that we know are like, yeah, it took about 10 years to get to that point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it just takes some time to, you just have to have patience that, even all the people that we see, you know, the Gary Vaynerchuk's of the world and the Gabby Burns. yeah, and the, the, uh, yeah. And the, the Gary people.
1: Vaynerchuk envy.
2: Yep, I mean, but they all, re- they all took them like ten years to get to where they are now. Yeah, they are mm-hmm. mainstream now, and you know, and they make a lot of money, and they are on social media, and they get speaking engagements. Yeah, but Gary Vaynerchuk, and uh, none of these people got that, you know, like in the beginning, like they all had to work for it. They all had to take. Yeah, I remember even, uh, I was ta- I was listening to Gary speak at one point, and he's like, yeah, I mean, in the beginning, before I got all my paid speaking engagements that I have now, I had to take on three speaking engagements, you know, where I didn't get paid. So it's like, it all starts from the beginning. The, the, the thing is that we as like, the mainstream don't really see that we don't see the struggles, we don't see what happened in the last nine years of this person's journey. And we mm-hmm. always just assume that like, oh, Gary V just you know, just, he's famous now. So he was, you know, he was famous his whole life. No, like none of these people were yeah. famous their whole life. Like it took him a long time and struggle and, you know, 10 years to get to the, where they are now. But we all think that like, oh, well, everybody knows who he is now. So he's always been like that. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And it's, it's interesting because specifically Gary Vee talks about, you know, using social media to, he talks about how, what he did. Right, So a lot of people are like, oh, well, I could do that. And they're like, you could, you could actually do that. Um, but like they're, they're seeing, I want to do what Gary Vee's doing. And you're like, Gary Vee's got 25 people on staff producing content for him. right? He's got a couple of full-time photographers that follow him around and video everything he does and everything he says right like his his staff of people that follow him around is probably bigger than your business
2: (laughs) yeah yeah. but again Uh, he always says he started on his own he did this on his own for many years up until a few years ago when he he got a staff of like 25 or 35 people who are doing that all now and but again he had to work up to that point as well it wasn't like he came out yeah. of the womb and he had 35 people working on his social media.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and so it's, it's interesting to think like how you, how you uh, particularly for those of us who are in the digital marketing space, our clients are looking at what are the best examples of digital marketing and names like Gary Vaynerchuk pop up and game, names like uh, you know, Grant Cardone pop up all the time. And they're like, I want to be like that. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But that's going to take 10 to 15 years to get to. So what do we do in the meantime? Like how do we take the little steps and what do those little steps look like, um, right? To creating that type of a brand in your space.
2: And a lot of people don't have the patience for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, the, the other thing that I find interesting is that, you know, your, your big names like that, like Gary Vaynerchuk is in a generalized space, right? He's not in a, he's not in a specific space for, um, for like the stuff he does on social media. And I was like, your business doesn't, you don't need to be world famous, right? You just need to be, you know, if you're in the top 10 of people who come up when they're looking for your thing, like you're golden,
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) right? You don't need to have, you know, you know, people in Paraguay be able to look you up and watch your inspirational things on, on social media, because it's not relevant to your business.
2: Absolutely, and even Gary Vaynerchuk is not well. I mean, he's known in our space, but he's not known like across the world by everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of even entrepreneurs. They're like, "Who is Gary Vaynerchuk?" And I, and they're all, I'm like, I guess you don't know who he is, but that's you know, but that's fine. Even even not everybody knows who yeah. he is. He's not like an Oprah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so. That's it's really interesting discussion too, um, which is it's a thing that we have to fight against all the time is those expectations and the risks that go into running a successful business, um, I sort of want to flip that and talk about the other side right so if, if that's the thing you fight against constantly the 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 driving force is the thing that you fight for. Um, so just like Spider Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or you know Google fights to index all the world's information what is it that you guys fight for in your digital agency.
2: Like In terms for our clients, what yeah like what is
1: it want? what is it that you're you're looking to accomplish? Why do you guys do what you do?
2: Well, we really are looking to serve entrepreneurs and to help them with um, digital marketing and social media and I know that it kind of sounds almost like banal, but it's but it's like there's a lot there's so much opportunity that I see with digital marketing and social media that companies and entrepreneurs don't really take advantage of. And there is so much I feel like power in that in the sense like it's so powerful to use these strategies that most businesses do not. And every time I engage with a new business, whether it's a client or someone I'm working with or an entrepreneur, it's like I can see all of the holes in their digital marketing and social media that I'm like, I really want to help. Like I really want you guys like to, to utilize it to the best of your ability so that you're actually able to grow and be successful in your business. So that's really what I feel like we're striving towards.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's very similar to like what, what I'm trying to do. And I was like, for, for whatever reason, I find it endlessly fascinating that if you say and do certain things in the right order in different places online or off that like, you can have a lot of success and you can actually like, um, you know, you can impact people's lives with your products and services and you can get paid well for it and all sorts of other things. And it's like, I, I don't know, it's, a, it's this really fascinating ripple of effect of like, I help you with your digital marketing and your life gets better because you make more money and you're helping more people and you're living your life's purpose. But then all the people that you're helping with whatever you do, their lives get better. And yeah, it's like a, it's like a really cool it's like a really leveraged...
2: cool MLM marketing scheme but yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's like, like a really cool like it's
1: like an influence down,
2: yeah, like <laughs> like I guess down like whatever you call that like waterfall. down the pyramid. Yeah, pyramid. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like a like a waterfall where it's like downstream people are also um getting help and getting the support that they need. Um and yeah, that's another reason why I, I we work with a lot of um influencers and you know, people who want to productize their knowledge. It's not just like we're helping their business and that's it. We're also helping, you know, their their audiences and their audiences and their audiences.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. So um I wanna move on to something that's a little more practical, right? You know, um, I talk about your hero's tool belt. Um, and I, you know, I like to talk about this. You maybe have a magical hammer like Thor or a bulletproof vest like your neighborhood police officer. Or maybe you guys just really, really rely on Evernote in your business to make it, you know, to keep track of everything. What are some of the tools you guys make use of on a regular basis that you think um, really make a leveraged impact in the work that you do? You know, whether that's, you know, Zoom calls like we're talking on now or your calendar or you know, whatever, you know, what What are some of your, your big movers? That you're like, I don't know what our business would do without this.
2: I actually created a course around that. It's it's called Tech Up Your Business, and it's all the tools that we use in our business to have a successful business. Um, and so I'm just trying to remember all the tools, like all the tools, I'm not gonna go through all of them, but things like, like simple things like Calendly, like before Calendly came about, you had to spend like five emails being like, I'm available to talk tomorrow between three and five and Wednesday between, you know, nine and 10. And then Thursday, like, it's just like, it was like back and forth and back and forth, but with like a platform like Calendly, you can just schedule a time when you're available. And it's like a one and done deal. So, I mean, that's just one tool. Um, We use a lot of Google, uh, like Google Sheets, Google Docs, Google Slides for collaborative Um, Mm -hmm. you know, for like writing copy or things like that, where like the copywriter would write copy and then they would share it with me and my team and then we would all review it and the client would review it. So it's like collaborative um, easy ways instead of like having a a Word document where you're like passing it all around, people are making, you know, changes to it and then the changes get lost because, you know, too many people have like had their, you know, hands in, in one document and it wasn't recorded. So um what else i'm trying to think um dropbox of course is a big one you know where we store yeah. all of our files in the cloud i mean i know that these are like not revolutionary although i mean i guess 10 years ago they didn't exist <laughs> but yeah they are very um efficient and practical for running a small business um it's just yeah it's so- it's
1: amazing to me what you can do with some of these tools nowadays like the uh like google drive and being able to um like because i remember early in my business it's like if you wanted to share a file with someone, like a Word document, mm-hmm. it's like I email that Word document to you and to another person on your team and another person on your team. And now there's four different versions of the document, the one I have and the one each of your people have. Yeah. You all make a change to it. And then we email it back and forth to a few different people. And like two days later, there's 400 versions of the document. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? And nowadays, like a Google document, you're like, hey, here's the link for the document. You can all hop into it and make changes to it. And it just, it makes yeah. the whole process seamless, which is, you know, I said it didn't, it didn't happen 10 years ago.
2: Yeah. None of this was available. Like Calendly, Google Docs, Google Drive, Dropbox, none of these were around 10 years ago. And, um, and from like a bigger picture perspective, um, going back to entrepreneurship, it's like, it's, it was also much, much harder to become an entrepreneur because it was all of these types of tools were either unavailable or very, very expensive. And so now Mm -hmm. all of these tools are so much available for a small business to have without, you know, spending like enterprise level, um, budgets for, for tools like that. And so of course, before, like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, entrepreneurship was also just so much more difficult because yeah, it, of all was, the tools. it was
1: farther away right you had to yeah. you had to have a bigger a bigger nut yeah. to be able to afford to do it yeah
2: absolutely and I mean that's why all of these I mean all of these bigger companies were able to afford those kinds of tools but like the smaller guys couldn't afford them and so yeah. it kind of brought that's kind of like pushed them out of the game
1: if you go, uh, if you go back 12 years, the iPhone was released before the iPhone. Um, I had a smartphone at then it was one of the Motorola ones that Steve Jobs was like, hey, these ones, they suck because I have a keyboard on the bottom half like I was like, I'm holding that phone in my hand as he's saying that. Right. I was one of those geeks and like things like the contact book on your phone, like the contact and like the calendar that's on your phone that everyone has those things cost me $50 per app. $50 oh, really? for the contact book, $50 for the uh, for the calendar app wow. and $50 for the other thing. It's like $150 in software to have what we would consider like your basic Free. contract. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> like all those things. So it's like it, not exaggerating saying 10 years ago this stuff didn't exist. Like it wasn't yeah. it wasn't easy to keep track of all of your clients in a CRM. It wasn't easy to get on a phone and talk to someone, you know, halfway across the country on a video chat. <laughs>
2: So I, I, I absolutely, so I, I mean, we use a lot of tools in order to uh, make our business smooth and flow and be efficient, and I think those are just so critical. I think tools are very important in, in your business, because if you're not using them, then you're just, it, it's a manual process, and things are taking much longer, so, so with AI I'm, coming around, I'm I'm very excited about that.
1: <laughs> so I'm curious about where you guys are hosting, and like how you manage your um standard operating procedures like your documentation because i'm currently struggling with that so i'm curious if, what your the solution you're using is to like
2: oh sure to
1: use for your your process documentation and like how pe- how your staff accesses it and uses it for training and that kind of stuff
2: um it's actually nothing uh grandiose it's actually trello do you use trello
1: we do use trello
2: yeah i have a a board that is called sop standard operating procedure and we have standard operating procedures in cards for, for all, for our business and for our clients' businesses. So we just have like, uh, ginsburg.com is, you know, as, as a client of myself, um, uh, we have all of that. And then we have cards that say, okay, this is how you post to social media. This is how you, um, you know, uh, create a blog post, you know, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. So like we have, um, we have cards for everything. And then underneath each card is a checklist. So, Um, you go here, you click on this button, you log into this account, um, you, you know, you put this thing here and that thing there, and then it's just an entire checklist. So it's a very easy process for, um, for, we use Trello. Now there are other platforms like Sweet Process, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, and then Process Street, I think it's called, whereas like, they're a little bit more advanced where like, You can create a checklist and then you can like check everything off and then you know like and then repurpose the checklist again so that the next person can check things off um ours is you know a little bit less advanced but it's but it has like all of the processes in it in each of the cards and checklists so i would i would recommend trello it's a you know trello obviously is free that's another tool that we use project management um for (laughs) Um, our clients and our business clients
1: on that, uh, one of the things that I've been working on is uh, with our Trello stuff. We just upgraded to the business class for Trello um, to get access to their automation abilities. And you can set it so that processes get assigned to cards when you move them. So um, now it's like, like you know, when this show's done recording, it'll go into the recorded, you know, done recording pile, and it'll assign the next staff and add the process document to that card for it. So the card can like live all the way through the life of this of this episode. Right. And then it goes, you know, cause it's going to go to uh, the prep and then it's going to go to the uh, editing and then it's going to go to publishing or scheduling and then publishing and whatnot. And each time it moves into one of those lists, it removes the, the people that were on the previous one adds on the new people and adds the right processes to it. So yeah, we use, we use Trello for, uh, um, for, for process management. We actually have a, uh, a, a document site I'm using right now. So we just add links to the cards for the processes.
2: Absolutely. So that's, uh, and I mean, I would. if you want something a little bit more complex, I would maybe look into Process Street or Sweet Process. But like I said, for us, we just use Trello and we have a board called Standard Wrapping Procedure. Nice. We'll be right back.
0: Are you tired of trying to write webinars that don't consistently convert? How would you like to have a webinar that effortlessly created sales in your online business? You can. Introducing the Webinar Alchemy Workshop. Webinar Alchemy Workshop is an online masterclass that will help you write incredibly persuasive webinars for your online courses quickly and easily. Using what you learn in this class, you can build a webinar that educates your entire audience while still creating sales. For a limited time, you can purchase this masterclass for only $7, and you'll get the exact framework I've personally used to help my clients sell more than a million dollars worth of online coaching and training just over the last year. Simply text the word ALCHEMY to 444-999 and I'll send you all the details. Music is by like Purple Planet Music. Visit www.purple-planet.com. And
1: now, back to So the... let's talk a little bit about your own personal heroes, right? Frodo had Gandalf, Luke had OE1, Robert Kiyosaki had his Rich Dad. Who were some of your heroes? Were they uh, real life mentors, speakers or authors, peers who were just a couple years ahead of you? And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far in your business over the last 12 years?
2: I'm, I would say Gary Vee is definitely a big um, person that I follow. Um, I actually. He was just on my podcast about a week ago um, uh, and it was, it was challenging to get him on my podcast, but it was, it it happened and I was like so excited about that because I've been following him for probably about three years. So it's kind of like having like your hero on your podcast. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe that actually happened. Um, So, yeah i've been following him for uh i don't know three four years now and we kind of we have a similar background because he also is someone from the former soviet union came here as an immigrant you know had a hundred dollar him and his family had a dollar hundred dollars in their pocket so i can definitely relate to that uh piece you know to basically what happens when you come to a new country and you start from nothing so um but just overall his his message um his you know making sure that you're striving towards happiness is really his message and and of course all the social media stuff that he does is very helpful for me because of course i'm in that space as well so Mm -hmm. um so he has been a big i don't know i mean he's not obviously not my mentor like directly but someone that i i I would say a hero or someone i look up to for um you know just bringing his own message to his audiences
1: Awesome. That's really cool. And I I have uh, um I've got a couple of people like that as well that I, I follow all their stuff and just keep up with them. So it would be cool to have some of my heroes on my podcast at some yeah. point. I'm uh I'm 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 working that direction eventually have an audience worthy of mean, uh, of getting attention. Not,
2: you mean it's not me? Are you telling me I'm not I'm not a <laughs> hero? I'm I, honestly. In your podcast? You're
1: not I, I I hadn't heard of you until <laughs> we got you booked on the show. So unfortunately oh. not yet. Eventually, I expect I expect that you will uh, at some point be uh, one of the big names in the digital marketing space, and everyone will and look you're up. You're
2: going to the be like, you I interviewed do. her before she was like a big deal. <laughs> yeah,
1: before she was cool, I knew her. <laughs> yeah. I said, I said, you got your award list is you know way longer than mine, so I'm still uh, I'm impressed.
2: <laughs> oh well, thank you, thank you very much. Um, so yeah, so, I would say, of course, Gary V. I, there's a few other ones, but I feel like he's really kind of the one that I um res- like his message resonates the most with me the other there's a few other ones but I feel like some of, part of their message is not exactly what I'm looking for like um I don't know, like you I probably have heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza
0: mm-hmm.
2: have you heard of him um, I have I, I like his message of course and he talks a lot about mindset as well and like but then he also talks a lot about like kind of healing your body which I'm like it's it makes sense for probably other people but I just I don't have that issue so it's like I don't that part doesn't really resonate with me as much um, yeah so there's a few people out there who you know some some I think have a good message but a little too salesy and a little too just I don't want to say douchebaggy but a little bit like a little <laughs> bit in that sense so I like part of their message but not other parts of their personality
1: <laughs> yeah that makes sense you got to find the people that really resonate with what you uh, what you're doing yeah. so you can Absolutely. feed your mind well So let's go ahead and bring it home for our listeners and talk about your guiding principles. What are the top one or two principles or actions you use regularly that you think contribute to the success of your business? Maybe stuff that you wish you had been doing or had known about when you first started.
2: I mean, going back to like believing in yourself, right? Believing in the mission, believing in your message. And so that's one of my guiding principles. And um, is if I feel like I'm not believing in what I'm doing, then And that just, I feel like everything kind of falls apart. So um, that's definitely one of my guiding principles, I would say, just making sure that you're believing in yourself and believing in what you do. And that's been something that I've been, uh, and it hasn't always come easy. It hasn't always been like, yes, I always believe in myself. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you have doubts and sometimes you're like, Am I really doing the right thing? Am I really going on the right path? And you know, you have those inkling moments, but eventually you're like, no, I'm still doing this. Like I need to be doing this. I believe in this, I need to be moving forward. So yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, you gotta just convince yourself. It's like standing on that precipice before you jump off of a cliff into the water, right? You're like, am I doing this? Do I float? Like, do I know how to swim? I do know how to swim. I can jump off here. (laughs) All right, so one of the last things we do on this show is something I call the hero challenge It's a simple challenge um, basically it's this do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine, and why do you think they should come on our show and share their story
2: sure i can share I can share one of my clients' stories um, um... Well, What's her their name? name? Why do you, why do you oh, think they should come um, share their story? Oh, her name's Allie and she, we've been working together for about a year and a half. And I, I know her really well by now after a year and a half. And so, um, her story was, um, she's an attorney and she was, um, running her law practice and she actually decided to move to Cabo because that's, I guess she wanted a, kind of that lifestyle. And so she was seven months pregnant. And she was in Seattle, uh, where I guess it, she used to live there before she moved to Cabo. And her house was um, destroyed by a hurricane in Cabo. So everything that she had in Cabo, where she was living, was like completely destroyed. So she was seven months pregnant and had to figure out what she was, you know, to do and how to run her law firm and where she was going to live. Uh, so I just find that story to be kind of interesting and um, resonates yeah, with, it's, you know, it's definitely ha- fascinating. <laughs> having like nothing. And then um, now she has a seven figure business, a seven figure law firm. And I've been helping her with her digital side of her things and her, um, and productizing her knowledge. Um, so she works with other women on, um, other women attorneys and teaches them how to run their law practice because most attorneys don't really know how to run a business. They just know how to be an attorney, which I think is common. Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people out there who run a business, you might not always know how to do that. So, uh, yeah, so it's just her. And, you know, she's just someone who believes in herself and, and who believes in her message and who wants to help her community. So, she's. Yeah, that's really cool. Someone so, to work with.
1: We'll definitely uh, reach out later and see if we can connect about getting her on the show. Absolutely. Um, at this point, thank you so much for coming on the show. My last question for you is where can people find you? And more importantly, what are the ideal type of people to reach out if they're in our audience looking to work with someone like you guys?
2: Sure. So you can find me on social media pretty much anywhere. If you just find, look for Gene Ginsburg or go to Google and put in Gene Ginsburg, That's G-I-N-Z with a Z as in zebra, B-U-R-G. And in terms of the types of entrepreneurs we work with, um, like I said, um, really, we have worked a lot with people who like entrepreneurs who want to productize their knowledge. So they are an expert in a specific field and they realize that they are can't scale their business if they're constantly just trading time for dollars and they have clients and clients are great. And I think that's a great way to get started with your business. But if you want to scale that it's, it's not very, it's not possible to do that. So we work with a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who want to take that knowledge and somehow put it into some sort of, whether it's a membership or a, or a digital course or an information product or something where they can scale it to much more, where it's, you know, uh, some sort of topic that goes can be pushed out to many, many people instead of working one on one. So if you're, someone who is interested in that. And so we would we typically help you with actually marketing and selling your course since we are area of expertise in digital marketing and social media.
1: That's really awesome. Yeah. And that's uh, I you know, I can speak from experience, you can make a lot of money, if you productize your knowledge. And so if you haven't done that, and you're thinking about it, definitely take the chance to uh, reach out to Jean and her team. Um, and again, thank you so much for coming on the show, Jean. Do you have any uh, final words of wisdom before we uh, hit the stop record button.
2: Any words of wisdom? Uh, going back to believing in yourself. I think that's, that's still a, it's just something that's been resonating with me a lot lately is if you believe in what you're doing and what your message is and who you want to help, then all of it will fall into place. So I think that's my last final words.
1: Awesome. You heard her. Believe in yourselves. Thank you so much for coming on. Jean. really appreciate it.
2: Thank you.